Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticamp. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. We've got a good episode for you. I'm chatting with Sam Billhorn, Jake Hendrickson, and Greg Kazmierski, all from Whitetail Partners. Now, Sam is based in Wisconsin. Jake is based in Michigan. Greg is based in Ohio. We also have another team member who's based in Tennessee. His name's Lee Dixon. He's actually been on an episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast before, which I guess all of these guys have at this point. But I wanted to have them all back on to answer one big question that I think is burning in the minds of many this time of year. Is the October lull fact or fiction? Now, there have been very, very many articles and podcasts and videos and all sorts of things on the October lull. But in this episode, we talk about uh, what produces maybe what we perceive as the October lull, even though there are lots of studies out there that show us buck movement and deer movement in general increases throughout the month of October as we get closer and closer into November. The experience that many hunters have is we see fewer and fewer deer, fewer and fewer good bucks. Our trail cameras show us fewer good bucks in daylight. So what's going on? If the studies show that there's an increase of deer movement, yet our eyes tell us another thing, what is happening at this time of year? And then to close out this conversation, I actually put the guys on the spot and I say, okay, if you're going to be hunting a deer from right now when I'm recording this, which is October 11th, until October 21st, that is before a lot of good pre-rut activity is going to start happening, what are you going to do to find and kill a mature buck at this time of year? And the guys had some really, really good answers, each of them a little bit unique in their approach, but each of them, I think, effective nonetheless. If you like what you hear in this episode, you can find these guys and yours truly as the host of a new podcast called the Design Build Hunt Podcast. It's presented by Whitetail Partners. And on that podcast, we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, hunting strategy, all kinds of good stuff. So if you like the How to Hunt Deer podcast, you're probably going to dig the Design Build Hunt podcast. You can find that wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. And we actually just launched episode number two today called the Whitetail Partners Difference. You can also find this in video format on YouTube. If you want to learn more, just head over to the website, whitetailpartners.com. I hope you enjoy the show. Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam 6.0 point of view camera. Featuring a built-in 1-inch LCD touchscreen, one-touch operation, weatherproof housing, and mounts to fit any style of hunting, the Tacticam 6.0 is sure to simplify the self-filming process for you and make sure you have high-quality footage to share with family and friends. The 6.0 features up to 8x zoom, new image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear 4K 60 frame per second footage. Now through September 21st, you can get a 6.0 camera 
a stabilizer mount, a clamp mount, and a bottle of scrape fix for just $355.99. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. If you want to create more memories and fill your freezer while you're doing it, the Onyx Hunt app is a must-have tool in your arsenal. With major new aerial imagery updates with historic look back, high-frequency imagery, and even the ability to order your own custom imagery, the Onyx Hunt app has solidified itself as the leader among mapping systems. Now, this is all on top of the public and private land ownership info, the ability to use this app with no service, and the unmatched reliability that you have come to expect out of the Onyx Hunt app. You can try the Onyx Hunt app for free for seven days. Just go find them on the app store of your choice, or you can go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. The archery opener is right around the corner, and you can hunt in comfort this season with camo from Huntworth. They make high-quality technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham lightweight pants, which are rugged and durable, but also lightweight and breathable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts, and the Gadsden quarter zip hoodie, which is made to be breathable and moisture wicking. To make building out your kit simpler, the Huntworth website now features their new system builder. This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting. To check out their full camo line, head over to HuntworthGear.com. Now let's get into this week's show. All right, this week on the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I've got the whole crew, almost, from Whitetail Partners. I've got Sam Billhorn, Whitetail Partners, Wisconsin. I've got Jake, Whitetail Partners, Michigan. Greg, Whitetail Partners, Ohio. We're missing Lee, but Lee Dixon from Whitetail Partners, Tennessee, has been on the How to Hunt Deer podcast already, so you guys are familiar with him. But uh, I got these guys on to talk about the dreaded October lull, and I think we're just going to cover one question. There may be some follow-ups in here, uh, but guys, I got I got one question for you, and we'll start with Sam. October lull, fact or fiction? It's just a nice name or topics like people like to throw out there and talk about this time of year. I guess my perspective is, is deer are always doing deer things and you just need to know what it is. So I would say if I had to give you an answer, I would call fiction. Fiction. All right, Jake. Oh man. <laughs> it's that's, that's a, that's tough. So it, it's, cause it could be both, but I'm going to say if you're doing things correctly on your property, then it's fiction. Okay. All right. If you're doing things correctly. So we're going to get we're going to I'm going to circle back to you on that front. Greg, fact or fiction? I'm going to I'm going to answer this from a public land hunter's perspective to okay. shed some insight for that and I'm going to say that it is fiction on okay. public land. Um, I just think things change drastically and it puts people in a sense of shock rather than an October law. Right, right. No, I, I think that's good. I'm going to say fiction as well. And uh, that's from both a, a hunting public land perspective, but also hunting some private land perspective. Um, guys, there, there's no doubt, though, that after those first couple of weeks of the season, daylight sightings of deer tend to go down for hunters. But we do know if we just go look at the collared deer studies, deer activity ramps up from the beginning of October all the way through November. There is no dip there. There is no lull in activity there. So what in the heck is going on when it comes to my experience of being out in the woods and not seeing deer? What's happening? One of the things I would just jump in there and say for each person, depending on what they're doing, 
um, you know, you always think of the, the human impact first. So that uh, pressure we're starting to put on our properties, especially those who aren't on their properties, except for during these times, all of a sudden it's this a sudden awareness of, uh, to the deer of what's going on. There's there are humans around now, what's going on. Mm. And so, yeah, the, the, the lull in terms of deer being impacted could be answered true from a standpoint that you spend the first week or two bombing around your, your uh, property. And then all of a sudden the, the activity changes. Well, that's absolutely true. I, I guess I would say, and maybe I'm stealing something from Jake here too, uh, from the standpoint of, um, you know, there, it, it should be steady. It should be working up. And, and it's, I think looking to our, my experience of cameras and video and all that, of that call it rut activity. I know we're not in the rut or not even really in pre-rut, but that's coming, but that laying down of sign that, uh, activity that they have of starting to communicate coming into that breeding season that you see the signs of that really early on really at the beginning of all of our seasons and it just starts to trickle in a little bit more a little bit more and i'm uh, really encouraged in some of the activity i'm seeing that that's starting to pick up you know that throughout those first few weeks of october you know that lull period that that is actually gaining ground on deer activity from a standpoint of they're starting to do those deer things leading into the breeding season uh, that we look for as cues to uh, when we need to take advantage of them. Right, right. Jake, you mentioned it's fiction if we're doing the right things on our property. So what in the world do you mean by that? Right. And Sam did kind of touch on it there a little bit. And a lot of guys, when they experience the October lull, it's near their stand locations. And it's because, like Sam said, their property has sat vacant for, you know, nine months. And then they come in and hunt it hard the first weekend. And then their sightings, either from the stand or from their cameras, which are most likely near their stand locations, are going down or they're, the deer are getting there a little bit later. and it's not that the deer are no longer there. It's just that the deer are either arriving there later or they're, they're going to a different food source. So if you're hunting uh, a food source and you're pressuring that food source, well, the, the deer might not go there. They may not be comfortable hitting that food source in, until later, or maybe they're going to find a different one to, to go to. Um, another thing that's changing and maybe guys, they might not look into this if they're just hunting over the food plot is, is sometimes the food sources are changing this time of year. We're in a, a kind of a big change time in the, in the, the whitetail woods. And so it, like if you're hunting over your green food source and the deer were coming in there throughout August, throughout September, you got lots of camera pictures, you know, early October, they're still there and all of a sudden they're gone. Where'd they go? Well, they might be in the open hardwoods because you have a good acorn crop this year. And so that might be a scenario where, you know, the deer are still there, but from a hunting perspective, you're experiencing the October lull because you're not seeing deer. So if you go out and you, if you keep a deer log, you know, you come back to the cabin, you have to write a big goose egg on there. You didn't see any deer. Well, it's because you're hunting the wrong location mm. or, or maybe you're hunting too aggressively early on and you're, you're overpressuring your property. So it's kind of knowing you know, what the deer are doing at, at certain times of the year. But I, I can tell you, just I mean, I don't know if this is considered the October lull right now. It's, you know, we're in kind of the second week of October. But like, my, yeah, my cell cameras right now on several different properties, they're 
they're continuing to increase every day. So the daylight pictures are, are still, they're still getting daylight pictures. So, I mean, it's it, the, the deer are still moving during daylight. You just have to make sure that you're either in the correct spot or, or and also not over hunting your property and, and pushing in too soon, you know, before it's appropriate. Right. So uh, two things you alluded to there, the, and, and Sam as well, the amount of pressure that you're putting on your property can really begin to impact how deer are moving. You've got shifting food sources. Greg, as a public land hunter, you also said fiction. So uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts there. Yeah. So from my experience, um, you know, I was honestly like when I first started doing a lot of my public land hunting, I would just kind of skip out on this part of October because I did feed into the October law theory. And then I realized that I probably shouldn't listen to everything everyone says and go find out for myself. And, uh, it, it's like, it's a lot like the private land setting where if you're not hunting the right locations, you're not going to be in the deer. And I think that from a pressure standpoint, also, you really have no control over pressure whatsoever on public. And yes, there's more people spending time out there, but now you're talking about people doing it with a predator mentality, which puts the deer instantly on alert and they're going to start being a lot more weary of how they're using the land. And outside of that, the food switching, I've experienced that it's almost like the deer know that the hunting pressure is going to gravitate towards those oak ridges now because that's the most obvious place for them to be. And I experience a ton of deer on public land that are gravitating towards like the last bit of green browse is going to end up being the primary food source for them. I feel like they just find a way to sustain off of that while everybody's kind of focusing that pressure in those open oak ridges and things. Um, you know, Myself personally, I go out on public land and I pursue the top tier bucks that a place has to offer. And that leads me to a lot more stand time and getting to observe a lot more deer doing those deer things. And I notice more deer this time of year, like eating up that last bit of green browse before the leaves start to really change and everything drops off those uh, eye level type trees than I do any other time of the season. And those aren't like the good sexy places for people to hunt like they want to go and hunt under that big white oak tree that's got a car hood scrape next to it like that's the cool places to hunt but if that's not where the deer are then you could very easily think like yeah this is the october wall meantime you know i'm two ridges over in the thicket and i got i'm covered in deer um so i think it's all about perspective and if you are willing to kind of like challenge the typical way of thinking you can get in the deer like they exist and like you said there's studies on studies that show that the activity only increases so if you have that data then that's the only data you need to go off of to be like where are they at i just need to go and find them hey guys just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers they're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. 
Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. One of the things that those studies show us is that their movements are less linear this time of year. Like, yeah, they're still moving a lot, but it's going to be typically within that security cover. They're adjusting from the pressure that they have experienced. So in daylight hours, they're hanging closer and closer to that security cover. And, you know, to your point, Greg, talking about finding those last couple of, you know, green browse food sources back in the woods, when you're near green browse this time of year, you're probably also in some pretty good security cover. I know one of my favorites to target right around this time of year, late September, heading into October, uh, is the jewelweed. If I can find jewelweed that's still that's still growing, typically it's in some lower-lying places, I find the deer just absolutely hammering that stuff this time of year. Now, you know, again, you get into the, into the oaks, you get good oaks that are dropping. They're probably pretty open hardwoods. You're probably not going to see a ton of deer. But you get into the jewelweed, you've probably got some wet stuff nearby. You've probably got some willows nearby, so you've probably got some good bedding nearby. Uh, and your chances of seeing deer, I think, uh, I think go way up. So, guys, at this time of year, if you are trying to kill a buck, uh, either public land, private land, whatever it is, but I tell you, look, you've got from right now, in it's October 11th as we're recording this, you've got from right now until October, I don't know, 23rd to get it done. 21st maybe to get it done. I'll, I'll pull you even further away from good pre-rut activity. So you've got October 11th to October 21st, and you have to kill a buck. You're not allowed to hunt October 22nd and on. What are you going to be doing this time of year to find one? You took away the 20s, Josh. I'm speechless. <laughs> well, I, I remembered you shot one early a couple of years ago, so I was like, no, nah, I can't let Sam have that. Oh, yeah, you almost just teed it up. Um, no, that's great. I, I love the pre-rut. We'll talk about that later on. But that, you know, I, you get me into October 20-something, and I'm I'm just it's so excited to talk about that. But the challenge you presented, I would look at it and say, uh, and you guys touched on this before, that those mature bucks are still in their comfort zone. They're still in their little kingdom that they've had uh, in the summer. But it's transitioning, right? Jake talked about this. It's, you know, maybe they're moving on. And I would say what I'm going to be looking for are those uh, annual, those uh, annual scrapes that are coming year after year, uh, perennial scrapes that they're going to be near those areas. So I'm not talking necessarily, okay, if, if he's over here, where's that uh, scrape that's nearby there, just outside of that area. Cause I'm still going to be, you know, a touch careful, not wanting to bomb into a place like that or screw it up, but I'm also going to be looking for, that uh, pre-rut activity or those activities that lead into the breeding time of starting to lay down sign and take advantage of one of those that he may just start to venture out a little bit, especially on those, uh, the evening hunts still, I'm probably going to favor a little bit as well, um, that, that he's going to start laying down sign uh, and, and maybe intercept them uh, coming into what then will be the pre-rut um, that I like to talk about so much. Yeah, very good. Jake, what are you going to be doing? 
So I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach because I'm not allowed to hunt the 20th and on. So I'm going to, I'm not going to, I might uh, be a little bit more aggressive. If I, if I only have the 11th through the 19th or whatever to hunt, then I, I might be a little bit more aggressive. I'm, I'm still not going to go uh, in the morning. I'm going to save it probably for an evening hunt, but I'm going to probably get tight to, to bedding. I'm going to try to get as close to where I think that that buck is bedding as I can without bumping him out. And I'm going to try to find a, a transitional food source, you know, on the way to wherever that buck likes to hang out at night. So if I know that he wants to go to my neighbor's soybean field and I have this group of old apple trees just next to his primary bedding area, then I'm going to probably try to sit is, you know, take the wind into consideration, get as close as I can to those apple trees. And hopefully he can come out, hit those in cover you know, really close to that, that edge of the thick cover before, before he hits that, uh, destination. So I'd be, uh, a little bit more aggressive and, tr- and try to just get a little bit uh, closer. Cause he's still, he still does not want to come out uh, of that security cover. He's not going to go out to that, that, uh, destination field or wherever he wants to go in, until most likely after, uh, after last light, but he still is going to, move there and so you just gotta kind of wait for a cold front wait till he's gonna maybe get up a little bit earlier uh, than he normally would and especially from a private land perspective if you have historical data from the the deer that you're targeting he's gonna do things that are very similar year to year so if you know that okay here's this buck we had him last year he really liked this area of my property and he i started to see him coming Every once in a while in daylight, you know, around the 15th of October, he's coming out of his bed. He's hitting this spot, my property, whether it's, it's working scrapes or he's just coming around this pinch point or he's hitting this food source before he moves on. You know, that, that would be something that I'd be looking at, too, is historical data to try to pattern this deer and, and, and make a move. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. I, th- I think both of you are going to get one. I, th- I think that works. So uh, good thing because you don't get to hunt anymore after this. But uh, <laughs> Greg, 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 what are you going to be doing this time of year? So if I only had this window here, um, I would personally take like the first probably four days to do nothing but do boots on the ground scouting and dissect every place that I know is a potential buck bedding area and confirm that the buck I want is in there and then pretty much pick apart all of his possible entry exit routes and find any type of activity he's going to be leaving and kind of slowly wrap my way into a very tight bedding zone of his and look for that first main primary scrape coming out of that bedding area leading into the desired direction. Um, At that point, it could be anywhere. So like I feel that in these bigger forests down here in Ohio, these bucks will come out and they'll leave and they'll have a few different directions. They'll go from their bed and you can have a slight odds of getting him if you're on like say one of the three paths whether he wants to go check the does or he wants to go to the acorns or he wants to go to the corn but if you can kind of find where those three turn to one and you're on that first exit trail out of bedding then you pair that with something like a primary scrape i think that's my best odds at setting up on him for an evening hunt but honestly i feel like my best opportunity 
getting a buck in this time frame on a piece of public would have to be a morning hunt. I'll play devil's advocate here and dive in in the morning. Um, I think my best chance is going to be on some type of cold, rainy morning where I can catch him going over top of a ridge system to his secondary bedding area. I think he gets back in tucked into a place before daylight and you'll never get him. but he's going to slip up and over that ridge later on in the morning when it still hasn't warmed up and he's used to the sun hitting him. And at that transition point, you'll have the advantage thermal wise because they're already be up and gone and he won't know you're there and you can get him as he crosses over the top of that ridge. Um, super aggressive sit, not something I would ever recommend doing on a managed piece of private ground, but those are like some of my favorite hunts during October on public land is getting in there really early and trying to get him on that secondary bed because a lot of guys, if they do hunt morning, they're just trying to get him on that initial back to bed. But I I think that secondary travel is your best chance this this little stretch of the month. Right, right. I I'm going to throw in my my two cents as well on this front and I hunt in Georgia and Alabama but then I'm also hunting in Wisconsin and so um where I'm at would obviously inform what I'm doing but no matter where I'm at one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to do what Greg said and I'm going to get in there and and confirm uh, some of these bedding locations, especially if I'm hunting public land, I'm going to get a lot more aggressive than if I'm hunting the family farm in October. I'm probably not doing a lot of hunting the family farm in October until we get to around Halloween. That's probably not going to be my preferred method. I don't want to mess it up for everybody else and what they've got coming up. So um, I'm going to do some boots on the ground. I'm going to find the best concentration of sign that I can at this time. And when I say sign, I mean buck sign. I'm looking specifically for for rubs and scrapes and that sort of thing. And then I'm going to go in in a morning, but I'm not going to be super aggressive in the, in the first morning. I'm actually going to go in and do some observation sits in the morning. And the reason is, you know, even if I just catch a glimpse or a glimmer of that buck in the morning, I can put together a lot of pieces and figure, figuring out, okay, where is he betting? What is he doing? Where is he heading to? And that's going to help me put the next piece together. I'm going to try to play the long game. I'm going to say, all right, if I've got seven or eight days, I want to kill on day six. So on day one, I'm going to do this. And then day two, I'm going to tighten that noose. And then day three, I'm going to tighten that noose a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get in there and do some observation sits in the morning, observation sits in the evening if I have to. And then as a last ditch effort, if things haven't worked out yet, I'm going to get in as tight as I can to that bedding on what I think is either suitable brows or, you know, the first scrape coming out of that bedding. And I'm going to sit there all day long and I'm going to pull an all day sit. And the reason that I do that is because my cameras that I have in tight to bedding this time of the year, this is when I start to see some midday movement. And I don't know if that's typical. I don't know if this is what you guys are seeing on your cameras as well. But if I've got cameras tight to bedding, I get deer right there in the October lull up on their feet, feeding middle of the day. And my suspicion is they're just up. They're going to browse around, make a 50-yard circle, boom, go back into bed. So I want to get in there early. Hopefully I don't disturb anything sit tight. And, you know, if I get a, a, a bed shift or something midday, great. If I just catch them browsing midday, that's fine too. But that's going to be my overall strategy. I am curious to hear from you guys, though. I know you guys all run a bunch of cameras. Are you seeing any midday stuff during the supposed October lull? I'm not seeing midday movement from older bucks right okay. now. Like a lot of my, I mean, you see them a lot at just before last light, you know, I mean, if you're, 
if you pick the right spot, you know, depending on which food source he's hitting, you know, you have opportunities right now. And I, I'm even seeing him come back to bed. Uh, a, a lot of times it's, it's before sunup, but right now they're even starting to come back to bed a little bit later. So right. you, you'd have, uh, you do, you would have opportunities in the morning depending on, uh, depending on the day. But yeah, n- not so much midday. Not midday. Yet, where, 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 where our cameras are. Right, right. Sam, what about you? Uh, I'm starting to see a little bit more signing activity, but again, smaller bucks. Yeah. Not, not the big boys yet on their feet. Um, I, I will say this, the night activity of bigger bucks is definitely increasing as far as mm. range, where I'm seeing them lay down signs. So they're starting to check out like, okay, this is where I need to go. I mean, I've have, I have mock scrapes in my property that have been in the same location for six or seven years and they're pretty well developed. And I know that when he starts laying down sign on, on that scrape at night here in early October, that's what I get. Again, I'm getting talking about free rut. We're going to see him in the daylight at that scrape. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So I am actually picking up on some nighttime activity for mature bucks that I'm going to key on for later. Right. Right. Greg, are you seeing any kind of midday stuff going on? Yeah, I'll see the I'll see the midday stuff similar to like what you were saying uh, when you have them like tucked into those thicket type areas like that. Um, I'll notice that especially on the scrapes, you'll get like a random hit on a scrape at like twelve thirty in the afternoon, um, and then outside of that, just some general like on the feet travel. My theory behind it is just because there's a lot more going on out in the woods, more guys spending time out there. Uh, You know, if there are the younger bucks are starting to chase the does around and they kind of push them through the bucks bedding area, it might aggravate them enough to stand up or the same thing if a younger buck comes through and messes with a scrape, he might be like, no way, man, you know, you're not doing that here. And that (laughs) might make him get up. I just think that there's a lot more stuff happening that's going to, make him potentially get up and out of bed. But I don't think if you're close to where his core area is, I still think it's very, very low odds of getting that movement. But I do really like your strategy, your idea about pulling the all day sets, because I've done that same thing as well. Uh, Hunting all day sets in this mid October frame on those primary scrapes. And it's, it's produced some magical hunts. It really does. It's like a, it's something that it can be either a really long and boring day, or it can be right. the best day of the season. You know, you just don't know. Right. And it's, it's always, like you said, it's always the random, you know, two o'clock, one o'clock, 1230 in the afternoon. Like, why was he even, why was he there? He just kind of browsed through. Uh, I've never killed a buck doing that, but I've seen several really good ones doing that. It's like, they always just catch me totally off guard. It's like, it's like I don't even know I'm supposed to be there. It's like, oh, wait, I have a bow, I think, somewhere, you know, and it's just a just a total surprise. I'm totally not prepared. But, uh, guys, thanks for joining me on the show today. I do just want to say real quick, uh, for those who are listening, if you like the voices that you heard, if you like talking about deer and deer hunting, if you like talking about habitat, property improvement, deer management, all of that good stuff, uh, these guys are going to be joining me on the Design Build Hunt podcast which is presented by Whitetail Partners. So, Sam, do you want to tell us just a little bit, maybe briefly, talk about that podcast? Because I think if folks like the How to Hunt Deer podcast, they might also like the Design Build Hunt podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. Uh, really well said on that. And uh, for those of you who uh, have heard me on the podcast before, I've had the opportunity to speak with Josh on these things. And 
Um, what I'm excited about is to bring the work that we are doing as Whitetail Partners uh, and our primary business here is designing and laying out properties. But those concepts, whether it's private ground or public ground, and we've kind of role played here a little bit of those different scenarios, uh, that we can uh, help hunters that are looking to either application. And I think the strategies and things we're going to present, whether it's something you create on private ground or you go find and exploit on public ground, uh, that's the stuff that we're going to be pulling out and uh, talking about through that Design Build Hunt podcast. All of the evolution of a property, so the, the design, we're going to be going over uh, how we lay out a property, the uh, tactics that we use, the design principles that we have, and getting into the layout and creation of a property. Uh, where we talk about land management and the things that we're doing as we build out these properties. Uh, and then the hunting strategy uh, as we go in, hunt them, and, and, and do all those things that we're going to uh, bring throughout the course of the season, the strategies that we'll have, uh, and, and bring in a few things uh, within that as well, talking through uh, the designs and laying those out and, and showing those on uh, video format in our podcast as well. That's uh, another thing we're looking forward to. So hope hope to hear uh, some or have some of the listeners uh, catch us over there at Design Build Hunt. Awesome. Well, yeah, you can you can find also Whitetail Partners online, whitetailpartners.com. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you're looking for. We're all over the place right now. I'll have everything in the show notes so that you don't have to look very far to find us. But guys, thanks for joining me for the show today. Thanks a lot, Josh. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at how to hunt deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. 